it is uh, Pride Month, in, in case you're not aware of it. It is Pride Month, um, celebrating the, the LGBTQ. And um, our many companies are promoting it, are celebrating it. Actually, uh, our president actually had a declaration um, that I actually just printed off. I thought it was interesting, his declaration, a proclamation on lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer Pride Month 2021. And in his document, this is what he says. Uh, now, therefore, I, Joseph R. Biden Jr., President of the United States of America, by virtue of the authority vested in me by the Constitution and the laws of the United States, do hereby proclaim June 2021 as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer Pride Month. I call upon the people of the United States to recognize the achievement of the LGBTQ community to celebrate the great diversity of American people and to wave their flag of pride high. From our President of the United States. How is it that we have come to the place as a nation where we have proclamations where we would celebrate um, the LGBTQ in this manner. Now, to be first of all very clear, this is not about against anything or anyone. This is about what does God's word say. I'm interested, though, of how did we get here? How did we get here? Because um, the next month, we'll be having the um, Pornography Strong Month. I'm making it up. But, but, I, but, I, but it goes to the place of how far do we go? How far do we go? Now, I want to be very sensitive because uh, my own family has experienced one of those letters um, in that LGBTQ. Um, and so people I love, people I love, who um, in, in their minds aren't feeling like it's a struggle, but would identify, I guess is the best way to say, would identify with one of those letters and yet, the, it's a real dilemma for the church. Do we begin to, because some churches have decided to wave the flag high. Are we at a place that we're just slow to the game and we need to be waving the flag as well? How do we need to process this? How do we need to view this? Because uh, in many ways, it can feel like we're not being compassionate, that we're not feeling like as Americans we... Um, have equal rights and all these liberties, freedom of expression, and yet we, as a culture, seem to be celebrating something that when we begin to dig into Romans chapter 1, Paul has something to say about that. Paul has something to say about that. And so... My dilemma begins to, to see when a culture and a country begins to move in such, a, um, in such an outward way, it, it does start to play on your mind a little bit. You look at any show today, um, most shows will usually have 
a gay or lesbian couple in them. Now it's, it's common to see two women kissing in television shows that kids can watch. And, and it's really easy to begin to start thinking, well, maybe this is normal. Maybe this is the way it should be. Maybe we have suppressed something for too long and maybe, you know, we're just becoming awakened to the fact that this is okay. Or is it? So in Romans, let's just dig in. I, I want to give you a little bit of uh, history on Romans first before we jump right into uh, what Paul has to say on this topic. And honestly, I didn't pick this topic because it's Pride Month. It just was coincidental that we are starting in the book of Romans and Romans chapter one addresses this. So Romans was written by uh, the apostle Paul, who was Saul. Saul was a Jew who was uh, a Pharisee, a persecutor of Christians. He actually was the one who was standing when Stephen was being stoned and he was like, yep, stone him. Stephen, a faithful, devout follower of Jesus. And yet um, Saul has an encounter with Jesus himself after Jesus has been long, well, not long gone, but years afterwards. Um, he is on the road to Damascus, bright lights, gets blinded for a while, encounters Jesus himself, has a radical transformation, and now is, becomes a missionary, and he's on a missionary journey. Uh, he's writing this book um, from Corinth, and, uh, but he has never been to Rome yet. So that's interesting. So he's writing, typically his writings are to the churches of places that either he's planted a church um, or he's already been visiting, he's already visited that church. But interestingly enough, there's already a church existed in Rome that Paul didn't start. Maybe from the day of Pentecost, remember there's all these different people were here, maybe at the day of Pentecost, some experienced the infilling of the Holy Spirit, took it back to Rome and, um, and started a church. This was written probably 56, 57, 58 AD. And, the, and Rome at the time was probably a culture very similar to ours. Not, not technology-wise, but with regards to morality-wise. I would probably say very similar. Um, Rome pro had over a million people at that time. And here Paul begins to, uh, to write. We know it's to the church in Rome because in uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 7, it says, To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Okay, so he's writing to the church in Rome. He goes on and, and starts bragging about them a little bit. And uh, he says, I talk about you positively wherever I go. And that's honestly the way I feel about you guys. Wherever I go, I just want to brag on you all the time. You're a generous church. You're a caring church. This church is filled with joy and love and concern. I'm just... Uh, overwhelmed with just gratitude and pride, quite honestly. If we went on a pride month, I'm proud of you, <laughs> the church, yeah, um, that you're following Jesus. And then he goes on to, to talk about, in, in my Bible, it's, there's a title it's called The Righteous Shall Live by Faith, verse 16. I'm going to jump back into that section after I go to where Paul begins to start, talk about answering the question for us of how did we get to the place where we're starting as a culture, as a country, celebrating LGBTQ. 
How do we get there? And by the way, um, Paul, when he highlights this, he's highlighting a condition of the mind and the heart and not really just pointing on one group of people. And I would say that's the same for me uh, as well. It just happens to be Pride Month, so it's a good one to make an example of. But here he goes, um, starting in verse 18. Romans chapter 118. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteous suppress the truth. So, so interesting, you got to understand that first concept. And by the way, I, I want to make sure that we're not thinking about them versus us. We're in the same camp. Some have just been saved by grace. We have Jesus in our life. But it's not us or them. That is in our unrighteousness that we suppress the truth. When we act unrighteous, we are beginning to suppress some aspect of God's truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For the invisible attributes... Namely, the internal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. In, this, in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. So in other words, if somebody says, I, I don't believe there's a God, um, I don't know what's right or wrong. Paul's saying, actually, there's, there's evidence to say that everybody has an opportunity to kind of get a gauge. It's kind of hardwired in us an idea of right and wrong. Verse 21, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. So this is interesting, because he's not saying those who don't believe in God... He's actually saying, for although they knew God, although they knew God, that, that puts us in the same category. We know God, right? Although they knew God, they did not honor him as God. Or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking. So again, wrong thinking. Their thinking somehow got messed up. And their foolish hearts were darkened. So their, their gauge of right and wrong became dull. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Basically, instead of worshiping God, they began to worship creation. And you say, well, how do we worship creation or worship the created? Well, anything that we, begins to take a higher elevation of God and his word. And so we have to say, what does God's word say? And if we're not living by God's word, guess what? We're actually worshiping our own ideas and our own thoughts. So here's how Paul's starting to answer the question. How did we get here? Therefore, God gave them up to the lusts of their heart, to impurity, 
to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. That's how it happens. We start exchanging truth for a lie. And we can do it every single time. So you might just say, hey, we're talking about LG. The reason I bring up pornography is because it's prevalent. It's prevalent in this church. When I say prevalent in this church, the reality is it's so easy to be accessible on our computers, right? So I don't know if it's prevalent in this church or not. I'm just, I'm making an assumption that it's easily accessible. And what happens is when we exchange truth for lies, what is saying is somehow God's design is to be in, in, with have intimacy, relationship-wise, husband and wife, and, and yet when, when people go outside that and try to find connection through pornography, it's just not about a physical arousal, it's, it's trying to find connection and finding peace. They've exchanged the truth of how God has designed you for something that's a lie. And every single time we exchange truth for a lie, we find that it robs us and darkens our ability to make judgments of what's right and wrong. For this reason, God that gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relationships with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves due penalty for their error. So here we are, um, gay and lesbian, right? So he's talking about, again, Roman church, Shortly after Jesus was on earth, he's talking about those who knew God and yet still chose to give up what was right and true and exchanged that for something that was false. And then when they did that, their thinking became dulled and they knew, no longer knew what was right. And they exchanged something that God meant for, um, for them which is relationship and connection and love and peace and exchange it for something that was not what God intended. Verse 28, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. How did we get here as a nation? How did we get here as a culture? Is we stopped looking at the authority of God and his ways and his truth and we exchanged it for a lie and when we exchanged it for a lie, our minds became debased which basically it no longer can make solid judgment. Right? Because... Because when I read the president's declaration, some of you would be like, how is it as a, as a president of the United States would make it such a de- declaration of celebration and telling us we should wave the flag high? And by the way, I'm not picking on our president either. I pray for our president. But all he's doing is reflecting the culture that is around us, that somehow our culture now believes 
that celebrating this is right and righteous. In reality, here he says that actually that kind of thinking leads to a debased mind. It comes to a place of debased mind. But just in case, he's just making one example like I'm making one example. But here we go. He's now then, like many of these places, talks about the other things that we can find ourselves into. Uh, They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetous, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossipers, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, Um, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. They know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things, though they know God's righteous decree, isn't that interesting? Though they know it. Those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do... Sorry, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Give approval. No longer are we saying it's wrong, we're just saying it's right. So, by the way, I'm, again, I'm not picking on any one group because you read that list and you could probably find some of yourself in some of that list. But the solution is this. So this is how we got there. We keep slipping as a culture and keep, when we remove the Ten Commandments, we remove God from our institution, we remove God from our family. When you break down the family, when you call right wrong and wrong right, and uh, and you no longer have a framework of, of what is righteous, you know, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, it says not only go make disciples of all nations, but teaching them to obey everything that God has commanded, teaching them to obey. I think everybody wants to do what's right in their own eyes, and then we celebrate it. But here, real quick, wow, where'd that time go? Real quick, don't worry, I'm not going to rush. Don't worry, I'm not going to rush. If you need to leave at 11 o'clock, you can leave, but you're going to miss the best part. Okay, so here's the solution, though. So here's the, the problem. The problem's very evident, right? We know where our culture's at. We see how we got there. Debased mind. We, we know God has turned over our mind by our own free will. We chose to say, God, I'm going to live differently the way I want to live. God gave them over to their passions. But here, he, here Paul then says in Romans, um, Romans 1, 16, 17. If you're taking notes, you want to write this one down. Romans 16 through 17. Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews first and then to the Greek. By the way, Paul is a Jew, but he, most of his ministry was to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. For in it, the righteous of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. I'm going to just talk real quick on from faith and for faith. Can you say from faith? From faith, for faith. Now, if you replace the word faith with Jesus, because really what he's saying, faith, he's talking about the gospel, right? And then he says faith. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. We celebrate that in communion. 
set us free from sins, gave us, we were a new creation, right? We, we became, we began to think about things differently. God began to correct our mind and how we were thinking. But, but when we say from faith, I would say from, by the way, is the word like kind of origin. Like where does it come from? What's the origin of it? So from faith, for is like the purpose. So the, the origin of and then the purpose of. So the, if you replace faith with Jesus, you say, so through Jesus and then living for Jesus. So the solution to everything that's going on in our culture, in our world, in our own lives, if you're struggling with sin, if you're struggling with even having thoughts, and I would say this, because it has become so prevalent in our culture, many times people who would feel like, well, am I one of those? I have feelings. I have some, that person who looked attractive, same sex looks attractive. Am I that? And then we begin to think that like it's normal. It's normal. But God is saying, no, no, no. The way I created you is normal. The way I created you is normal. And some would say, well, that, I, I don't, I, I've always felt this way. I'm going to just talk about that for a quick moment. But I want you to realize it's through Jesus and then living for Jesus. You want to have your mind made right. You want to live as a new creation. We have to realize we got to start. The origin needs to start from Jesus. He is our creator. He is our source. He's our savior. He's the one, the only one that can give us a new birth, being born again, and then living for Jesus. And that's being obedient to his word. Obedient in relationship to him. If it's just obedient to the word, it's law. The Pharisees were good law keepers, but that's not it. It's the relationship with Jesus that's important. Living for him with him. Okay? I've got a great analogy for you. And I'm going to close with this, this little uh, analogy that I've just made up. So uh, a person got a, a horrible wound on, on their head and uh, it's open, it's gaping, and they started walking around with this gaping wound in their head. When you approach that person, what do you, what do you say? It's like, ooh, that's kind of gross, or that's not normal. Why don't you get that fixed? Why don't you go to the doctors on that one? Like, no, 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 I, I, just, that's, I just have this gaping wound in my head. They walk around and then, then another person gets wounded and, and hurt and they have another gaping wound in their head and they keep it open. They don't allow it to be healed. And, and you know, you might start seeing another person like, why is there another one who have a, a, a gaping wound? In the, that's, that's not normal to be walking around with gaping wounds, right? That's, that's not normal. And then another and then another and it's like, well, I guess that must be kind of normal that we walk around with gaping wounds in our head. Because now I've seen multiple do that, and it's, I'm not accustomed to that. I'm accustomed that when people get injured, they go to the hospital, and they go to the doctor and find healing. Eventually, there's, there's enough people who feel like maybe it's the way that we should be caring for our wounds. It's just leaving them open and gaping and gushing and... and Maybe that's the way we should do it. So much so that we start creating gaping, gushing wound month. 
Because after all, is, there's enough of them doing that that we, that we somehow should identify that as, as right. But the reality is it was never intended to be a gaping wound. It was always intended to be, after an injury has taken place, gone to a place where they can find healing. Yeah, there might be a scar and yeah, that might scab over, but, but, but it's not normal to walk around with a gaping wound in their head. And it's not right to have a place where there's continued hurt and pain and infection in their head. But in many ways, that's what happens. People get injured and wounded, and yet their wounding creates an identity, and they walk around with that, and then another person identifies with that wound. And they begin to, to create this culture of woundedness, of, and then as a culture, we begin to call it right, and maybe even celebrate it. But, but the reality is, it started with a wound. Somebody got hurt. And it needed healing. And it needed somebody to put some salve in it and somebody to care for them. And I wonder if the church hasn't cared for... Big generalization, I know. But we've been so against people different than us. People who make brash statements that would not even be upholding to God's word and yet they're doing so because they've been hurt. They do so because they carry wounds. And yet I wonder as those who have come to Christ realizing that he's healed us or in the process of healing us, that he set us free from our bondages of sin and our past mistakes. But my concern's twofold. Not only are we a culture that now starts to celebrate LGBTQ and a whole long list of other things that we are now calling right that are really wrong. But the church's response probably should not be we're against the church's response probably should be that we are for, for you. I want to let you know I won't wave a, by the way, why did they take our rainbow? I just don't get that. Well, I do. The enemy always wants to make a mockery of anything that's good and of God. But I want to let you know, we won't fly the rainbow flag here, but anyone who struggles with an identity of gay, lesbian, transgender, queer are more than welcome here at Grace Capital Church. You're here. You're welcome. And we won't try to change you, but we will point you to Jesus and his word. For those of you who are struggling today here online in the room with a sexual identity, I just want to encourage you. You don't need to walk alone. You can build safe relationships here that will point you back to Jesus and his word and bring healing. So many times people who identify with those letters 
are people who have been hurt. My family member that uh, is a relative, he identified with one of those letters because he was abused as a child by a neighbor. I'm not saying that's always the case. I, I know when I've talked about this, people would say, that's not my story. But it's a lot of people's stories. That something happened in their life that they got a wound, and the wound was never healed, and the enemy used it to take them down a dark place. Church, my heart is that don't be confused by our culture. Hannah was saying more than ever, we need to be in God's word. God's word will begin to illuminate the truth of what God thinks and what God's kingdom is all about. God's not a God of judgment, but his holy nature will judge us. In other words, God's love and his power of love has the ability to cancel out sin through Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ is the only one who does that. That's how we get close to God. But just by his nature of holiness, without Jesus Christ, our sin will bounce against the very nature and it will judge us. It's almost like we come to, to God and without Christ, see Christ gives us direct access, but without Jesus, what we do is we like bounce up against his nature and, and the sin in us and the wrong thinking comes back to judge us. It's not God wagging a finger, casting judgment on you. Because God is love. God loves you. He wants you to walk in freedom. He wants you to experience the fullness of how he's designed you to be. He wants you to be free from the dark places of your life. He wants you to be free from the wrong thinking. Before this country to come back to a place of where we'd say God's hand of favor is upon it, we need to come back to the word of God. And we need to come back into a relationship with Jesus, not just a form of godliness, but a relationship following Jesus as our Lord and Savior.